Welcome to episode number 25, Down the Rabbit Hole. Carl, mm. how are you today? I am fine. A lovely morning. Mm-hmm. Um, not too hot, not too humid. Mm-hmm. That, right. that may change as the day goes on. And like we said last week, the weather uh, it, section a, sponsored by Carl Baldwin. Yeah, it's one of my things, right? Living in Cluj, take advice. Yeah. You don't live here. It's card information. Doesn't matter. It's yeah. yeah. Or be envious for the weather. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You Englanders. Yes. <laughs> now that you've cut up now that we're now that England is cut off from the mainland. No. Or the other Europe way is cut off from the mainland. Sorry about that. <laughs> Gotta get it right. Yeah. Little Englander. Yeah. Anyway. We have a show today. The second part of Placebo. Nocivo. Nocebo. Nocebo, yeah. yeah. Which is, uh, everybody knows about placebo. It's right? the evil, evil twin. It's the evil twin. It's the Darth yeah. Vader of Sebo's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I can it, say that. It's the cousin of Tebow. Yeah, well, almost certainly. Yeah, the evil twisted cousin. Yeah. So, yeah, so the first um, program, we kind of covered... Stuff, certain the stuff, more fun about stuff. It. Yeah, uh, but just as a reminder, so placebo is a f- kind of the the ability of the mind to um, heal, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like power of suggestion to heal, shall we say? Mm-hmm. And it's from the Latin "I will please." Yes, and it's dark, evil, twisted cousin, nocebo is very similar, suggestion-based again. Uh, But instead of causing good things to happen, it's bad stuff. Yes, it can harm you, actually. It it can make you... You can suggest yourself into illness or other stuff. And it's from the Latin... No guesses on this one. I will harm. Uh Uh-huh. So... That's where we're starting from. So today we're going to look at the um, kind of a bit more seriously at it. Although, actually, the this this is actually quite new stuff. Looking mm-hmm. in do, a do clinical you, way, at yeah. This stuff. Do, do you think that uh, this falls mm. more uh, not on into medicine, for example, but into the psychology well, part? I think so because. There, in the research we did for this program, uh, I certainly came across this idea, which is quite a good idea, actually, which is, or a good thought, which is that medicine, up until relatively recently, mm-hmm. was all placebo, right? Or yeah. mostly placebo. Mostly. Obviously, there there was herbalism, obviously Chinese herbalism mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Obviously, that we know that quite a lot of that stuff does work, because obviously there are modern drug derivatives of those things, right? Yeah. Um, like aspirin from um, the tree bark thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but um, the general view is that medicine practised largely in the olden days, shall we say, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it was actually belief Mm-hmm. in the person giving you the treatment yes, and belief that it was going to work. Something like believing in the witch, doctor. Kind of. It's like, yeah, yeah it's belief. Or take this little 
potion. Yeah, and in my view, I'm going to be slightly controversial now, but obviously we've probably all heard of homeopathy. Uh-huh. Um, I actually think homeopathy works, placebo. Uh-huh. Because the science behind homeopathy is pretty crazy, right? Well, uh, I know for sure about homeopathy mm. uh, that in most Latin American countries, yeah. you have actually universities. I I realize And that. to do that, actually, you have to become first a normal uh, doctor. Yeah, you do. And then you enter to this other one and get the extra stuff. Yeah. Now, uh, as I understand from a doctor that I know, mm. uh, not here in Romania, actually, because here the view is actually different. All right. Yeah. But in there, it's about, uh, you know what they said, that the difference between a venom and a medicine is the it's, quantity. It's the amount. Right? And it's mm-hmm. the amount. So... Mm-hmm. The way homeopathy is, is supposed to work is by sti- the stimulation of our own organs with certain substances by dosage, small doses in mm-hmm. a frequent, certain frequency. But I would just like to point out yeah, yeah. that the dosages that you dilute for homeopathic medicine are so great that you actually can't detect the original substance well, molecule like, in the homeopathic Actually, medicine. depends. You know what's the problem in Europe, actually? That mm-hmm. it's not the same. Oh, so it's a different form. It's, I think it's stronger in stronger. Latin America mm-hmm. in general because I think it's more famous. I know it started in Germany and whatever, mm. but I think it's more famous and more practiced in all Latin America. Well, you could be right there. I'm prepared to believe that there might be a different uh, approach, but all I can say is that in North America and certainly in the UK, there have been... And mm-hmm. many proper scientific mm-hmm. studies done, and they cannot see mm-hmm. an effect greater than placebo. So maybe in yeah. South America, the dosage is different, and it's different. I don't know, maybe. I don't know exactly. Maybe it will be interesting to invite an homeopathic doctor and make another episode about just homeopathy and well, may- alternative medicine. Well, maybe the thing to do would be to invite a homeopathic doctor and another doctor that doesn't believe in homeopathy. Yeah, that would be interesting. And then we can just put them in the ring. <laughs> and then place your bets. <laughs> yeah, sound the bell, stand back and just record it, right? Because that'd be fun. We might just get the odd grunt in. Yeah. Anyway, that's not really addressing our... Uh, well, in a way it was kind part of, of the topic because, yes, some people can say that it's just placebo. Hmm. And I think the word placebo is very common. People know that it's just, you're not getting the <laughs> real thing. So most of the times people relate it to pills, sugar yeah. pills. Sugar pills, yeah. And uh, it's, you know... There are cases of people that actually change completely, which also makes you believe or think that probably in the first place, whatever they were sick of mm. could be also psychosomatic. Psychoclimatic, mm-hmm. obviously, right? Um, and, well, not obviously, but kind of makes sense to me. Um, and, of course, I think the the context in which most people are f- familiar with the word placebo or placebo effect is through drug trials and this kind of stuff where you have a control group who are on a placebo and another group that are on the actual drug. Mm -hmm. Uh, But interestingly, actually, um, what has been found is that uh, because uh, a drug trial like that has to be done 
in a way where neither group knows whether they're on the draw yeah, or they not. they should not know. The placebo group are actually given the same warnings about the side effects of the drug mm-hmm. as the group who are actually taking the placebo, uh, uh, who are actually taking the drug. And what has been found mm-hmm. in a significant number of studies is that as soon <laughs> as they tell the placebo group what the side effects of the actual drug are, they actually start experiencing the side effects and they're not actually taking anything, yeah. which is... That's exactly a nocebo effect. That's nocebo, right? Yeah. The old Darth Vader evil twin mm-hmm. thing going on there. And but, it's true. And it has happened also of typically uh, people trying to find uh, causes for maybe having a headache yeah. on the internet. Yeah. And, and then they the discover that they could have this, 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 and that. And it actually comes to that kind of feeling all the yeah. uh, secondary effects or all the yeah. extra stuff. All <laughs> Yeah, they went on the internet, they opened their From browser. a headache and they end up with a tumor. With, with a brain tumor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's already finished. <laughs> yeah. But we were discussing this earlier and uh, I think I said to you that somebody said about the internet that it's the uh-huh. world's largest library without uh-huh. a librarian yeah. to actually tell you what is worth reading and what is not worth reading. Mm-hmm. That's the subject for another day, right? Yeah. Anyway, how about if we start this... Yeah, a little more this, in order. We're just going to go back to the 18th century, century. which is mm-hmm. interesting. And a Viennese a medic um, called Eric Menninger... Oh, Eric Menninger von Lerschenthal, I think it is. Uh-huh. And he had an interesting um, situation uh, where um, students at his uh, medical school picked on one of their student colleagues who they didn't mm-hmm. like, and they wanted to teach him a lesson. This is the kind of thing they did in the 18th century. And yeah, bullying. Bullying, yeah. Obviously, it doesn't <laughs> happen now, obviously. Yeah. Um, we're an advanced civilization. We're now. much further advanced now. <laughs> and basically, what they did was they decided to teach him a lesson and they kind of jumped on him and said they were going to chop his head off. Now, you know, maybe that's the kind of thing they did for fun in those days. Uh-huh. What can I say? Who are we to criticise? Maybe right? decapitation was the common stuff. Yeah, know. it was a different time. Right? Uh-huh. Anyway, so they said they were going to decapitate him, so they blindfold him, and they get him to uh, kind of bow his head, get on his knees, bow his head, and they put his head on what they said was a chopping block, and then, having bared his neck, they then dropped a wet cloth onto his neck and to convince him that this was the blade. And... At that moment, he died. Mm-hmm. And it was it's one of the earliest documented examples of an extreme nocebo. So this mm-hmm. guy was so convinced that he was going to have his head chopped off. I can only imagine that it obviously it happened more often than it does now. What I was wondering right now is mm. that if in a more, let's say, uh, modern time, yeah. Something like this would happen. 
if they would have find any other reason in, in an autopsy for the death. For example, that was a, a situation extreme of extreme uh, stress mm. that could cause a heart attack. A heart attack. Well, that's one. Heart failure. Uh, Cardiac arrest. Uh, aneurysm. A, a stroke. A stroke. Uh, in the, aneurysm. Yeah. 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 All those things could happen, you know. Yeah. yeah. High blood pressure. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been suffering from a, a precondition right? or a precondition that during this moment of stress triggered. Oh, triggered yeah. it. It happens, right? What do they call yeah. it? Um, sudden death sudden syndrome. Death. Yeah. Syndrome, right? It happens now. Mm-hmm. Young mm-hmm. people, and they seem perfectly healthy, and suddenly, boom! Yeah, suddenly. So, you know, maybe there was an unfortunate coincidence there. It could be, but it could be also a nocebo thing. But once again, well, it probably nocebo was nocebo. It's nocebo, and it triggers other yeah, things. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. you know, they were they were fortunate. Eighteenth century, there probably wasn't too much paperwork to fill out. <laughs> they probably all looked at him and went oh dear what are we going to do yeah now what and shipped his body straight off to the dissection department (laughs) so anyway that was a very early example of a documented uh, null zero effect um and we were talking just a few minutes ago about clinical trials and about how people who are in the a placebo group mm-hmm. have to be told about these side effects, potential side effects of the drug they're going to take. And obviously, the, they are the placebo group, so they aren't actually getting any drug. But what is found is that when they're given the placebo, a percentage of them actually uh-huh. produce uh, manifestations of the sim- of the side mm-hmm. effects. Uh, it's not a significant percentage. I mean, no. it's not like thirty uh-huh. percent or something, but like 10% or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, there was another case of a, this guy. I think we were talking also about it earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's also here in the show notes. I saw it now. Oh, yeah. 2007. 2007. A guy is suffering from depression. Yeah. He's uh, in a trial for a new antidepressant <laughs> drug. Is he really the right candidate? I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just putting that out there, right? So, uh, he's been taking the pill. One day... Suddenly, he consumes the whole bottle of pills. He got very depressed. Yes. So, he thought he was going to die. Mm. He goes to the ER, and in there, just collapsed. Yeah. And actually, the condition started to be very serious. serious. He was in, in the point of death, actually. Yeah. When, suddenly... uh. Checking his medical history, they and found out blood. he was in the trial. And they checked his blood and could find no Nothing. trace of drugs. So they called the trial and said, well, actually, he's the one he's, of the control patients, mm. the placebo one. And they <laughs> go to the guy, you know, somehow he wakes up and tell him, well, guess what? In your treatment, you were the placebo guy. Yeah. So you're just getting sugar. Yeah. <laughs> he got a, bo- a whole bottle of pills of sugar. Yeah. And so, he recovered very and quickly. So Recovered all his symptoms, uh, blood pressure, yeah. heart rhythm, everything was perfect. Maybe he was just getting some hyperglycemia, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe if he if he had enough sugar pills, but I <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was a good point, <laughs> but I doubt it. Uh, but it is 
again, another kind of documented example that, of... How come people can uh, su- get this suggestion in the head? Uh, power of the mind, right? Yeah. It is amazing. Um, and in, interestingly, uh, at the University of uh, Turin, the medical school there, uh-huh. a, um, a scientist or a professor, Fabrizio Benedetti... Um, he actually did MRI scans of um, subjects um, while they were given, shall we say, nocebo mm-hmm. suggestions, shall we say. Right? And what he actually found was that um, under the scan, while they were be given the suggestions, they were seeing... Uh, activations in the hypothalamus, uh, the pituitary, and the adrenal glands. And these are all areas that um, get involved when there mm-hmm. are kind of threats to the body. Um, so if in everyday life, shall we say, you're in a situation that provokes extreme fear, um Obviously, these glands, um, you know, flood your body with a cocktail of hormones Hormones. to stimulate Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, flight or fight, whatever. And he actually found this was happening when they were just being talked to about nocebo-type stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, if you take this drug, you will get this and that and the other. (laughs) And And he was actually seeing the reaction. Yeah. So, it's quite... Astounding, really. But, yeah. So, what do you think about that kind of... Does it surprise you that that's... Well, mm, not really. I, I think that in general... I mean, it's very interesting how how far can... Or a person or even a doctor or mm. somebody else... Can, influence. Can go and influence somebody mm. to the point of their own bodies reacting mm. and creating or a cure or a disease. Exactly. Well, in fact, um, in, in the, again, in the research of this program, um, um, clinicians are actually now thinking that doctors and, uh, you know, scientists who do drug trials need to actually think very carefully about how they actually speak to a patient uh, what they say to a patient, and that in the future they might actually um, match what they say to a patient based on some kind of psychological profiling, mm-hmm. and that certain patients you just do not say certain things to them. Well, I think that actually that is the smartest thing to do. Mm. Like we said, imagine imagine you get somebody that is very susceptible, and you by some reason, choose the, him to be the nocebo guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you go and tell him, oh, you will die with this pill. You know? <laughs> he will start to vomit. And, so on. and the guy just will just collapse yeah. in the I mean, moment. I mean, you'd almost think that it would be a thing that they would do in a drug trial as a, you know, like they do in a court case where uh-huh. they screen the jury. But you know what's the problem I mean, there? You There's a lot of mafia and things involved in the background from clinic trials and pharmaceutical companies. So certainly uh, they prefer, instead of investing money in extra psychological tests, yeah. choose whoever is going to come, mm. 
get the medical test that they need and approvals and to prove that they have the sickness for the drug and just apply it. Yeah, and they have a lot of control over those trial results anyway, don't they? Mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah, that's another discussion. Which is another but, yeah. area of uh, conspiracy, <laughs> yeah. That they don't always reveal the, the truth. The truth. Mm. They use some makeup. That's the subject of another day. <laughs> um, but just coming back to Nocebo again, um, apparently one of the most visible examples of nocebo is to do with um, what are kind of regarded as controversial uh, disorders. Mm -hmm. For example, wind turbine syndrome. Wow, I never heard of that. You never heard of that? No. That's because they they do have wind turbines in in Romania, don't they? Do they have wind turbines? Uh, They still have a few, yeah. Um, They have a few, yeah. and basically, wind turbine syndrome is where people report hearing ringing in their ears constantly. Uh-huh. Right? Now, I have that. Ah, okay. I call it tinnitus, but uh-huh. I, don't, I don't think I'm suffering from wind turbine syndrome. But people who do report it um, um, basically what they've found... There is, a, there is another condition called electrosensitivity, which is related, which is where people have seem to have a problem around electrical equipment, particularly Wi-Fi. Uh-huh. And people report um, insomnia and sickness and all kinds of stuff, uh, either near mobile phone signals or Wi-Fi signals, and they think they're kind of allergic to ele- electromagnetic uh-huh. radiation. And interestingly, um, a lot of experiments have been done and if people are put into a room in control conditions with a dummy Wi-Fi box, they, they, still get the they report the same symptoms. And it's kind of like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of got to think, is that... Yeah, but you know, there's also this... Uh, this uh, nocebo effect uh-huh. can become also uh, contagious and spread it. Yeah. Because suddenly, let's say that somebody thinks that has a sickness or has been induced to believe yeah. or because of maybe the doctor said, you might get like this, like this, like that symptoms and goes and tells the neighbor yeah. that, oh, could happen like this, like this, like that. And the neighbor starts to himself to get the same sensations, and he goes and tells somebody else, a relative, about that, and you start to get a collective... uh, Yeah, kind of... uh, Kind of crowd. Like, what do they call it? Uh, Hysterical disease or something. There was... Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. In fact, there there are a number of cases where... Uh um, And I think quite recently in India, I think, there were some cases of school children in a school all reporting uh-huh. a certain symptoms, and there were no physical they causes, find the cause. nothing. Yeah. And they put it down to this kind of, uh, like, a mass hysteria, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another famous case called dancing disease, it was called, and I think that was... Dancing disease? Yeah, it was dancing disease, where people had, like, muscle, leg... Did spasms, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it got called dancing disease, uh-huh. a dancing fever or something. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds good, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but apparently it was very debilitating. And yeah. again, absolutely no physical cause can be found. And yeah. eventually it just faded away. Well, it's like the case we were talking in our previous show, also of Placebo Nocebo, about the sci-fi part, yeah. about the Orson Welles show. Exactly. It became spread widely. The in, War of the Worlds. Thing, yeah, right? War of the Worlds. Yeah, it's almost like, um, you know, we the it's quite a recent kind of developed concept, this concept of a meme. Mm-hmm. Right? So a, a meme is a an infectious idea. Mm-hmm. that can spread. It's almost viral. It's like a viral idea. And you kind of think meme and this kind of mm-hmm. gr- group hysteria responses are kind of similar, aren't they? They're somehow, somehow it's spreading like yeah. a virus. And, yeah. it's, and, it's, and it's like nocebo wrapped in a meme. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you took a kind of a... And maybe, maybe <laughs> there are some, who knows whether there are some underlying language triggers that can actually be used to elicit certain responses in people. And that if you can spread those in a meme, you could actually cause mass symptoms. Like, uh, well, this is more controversial. It's also controversial about microwaves <laughs> about uh, mobile phones yeah. about I don't know if maybe consider for example vaccines right. you know all these uh, trending of uh, I don't vaccine my kid because he might get autism or he might get this this is that oh yeah it's NMR vaccine uh-huh. is uh, one of the famous mm-hmm. ones isn't it uh, yeah. I wonder if we could consider that in the nocebo category mm-hmm. you know that somebody started to spread that This idea. The idea that uh, the vaccine itself is causing It, another thing and mm. spreads around. And you certainly got to think that meme as a concept mm-hmm. and nocebo yeah. have to be, they're similar, they're related in some way, aren't they? But moving on, mm-hmm. let us just cover another class of condition, which is Psychosomatic, we touched yeah. on that earlier. And there was a very interesting case, um, which we'll just go through, which leads us into a, a very interesting area of clinical research. Um, a lady called Yvonne, um, she was working in a supermarket. She was mm-hmm. a, a shelf stacker, as they call them. Yeah. And accidentally she was sprayed... Um, in the face with um, some window cleaner, purely somebody was using uh, it. Windex. And she, and she, yeah, Windex. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a trade name, though. I'd be very careful with okay. it. A generic window a generic, cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> no name window cleaner. And she washed her eyes at work, left work, went to bed, hoping that the, thinking the soreness would be gone by the following morning. But in fact... By the following morning, um, her eyesight had deteriorated so much she could hardly tell night from day. Uh-huh. And she was admitted or was seen by doctors 
Uh, she was obviously examined and they could find absolutely no, nothing wrong. And in the end, she was admitted to a neurology unit. Mm-hmm. And here's where it got interesting. She was literally blind at this point. <laughs> yeah. And yet, when she was sat in the doctor's surgery and the doctor was talking to her, to her and her husband, who was there as well, because obviously she couldn't see, she had to be guided, um, the doctor observed that he could see her glancing at her husband, and yet she said she couldn't see anything. And also, when the um, when the consultant um, kind of uh, shone a bright light into her eyes, she closed her eyes, and yet she was saying she couldn't, couldn't see, see anything. Uh-huh. And... Uh, so obviously the consultant realised she was responding, but somehow wasn't aware that she could see. And in the end, because they couldn't find any any physical cause for it, she was actually referred to a specific kind of therapist uh, called a cognitive uh, behaviour therapist, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting form of therapy and is in fact one of the only forms of psychological therapy that in scientific tests kind of blind you know double blind tests has been shown to actually produce actual verifiable results i'm mm-hmm. a, a great believer in cognitive behavior therapy anyway she was um um submitted to a course of treatment with a a, a cbt uh guy person and what actually emerged was that she was actually majorly stressed out about a number of things in her life yeah. and that actually over a period of time as she learned to cope with these stressful situations, her eyesight slowly returned. So it was almost uh-huh. like the spray thing was like a trigger yeah. and then her mind did the rest. Right? In, in fact, uh, do you think that the nocebo effect became more or people is more prone to it in modern times than in older times? Are you suggesting we're more suggestible? Mm, yes, because of exactly what you were saying right now. Mm-hmm. People is living with more stress, more courage. I don't have money for this, for that, True. school, uh, taxes. Good point. You know, so people became more sensitive to yeah. suggestion. Yeah, so if we're generally more stressed, then maybe mm-hmm. we're more susceptible to... Yeah. These kind of psycho, psychosomatic or psychological disorders. Exactly. And you start maybe saying, I feel kind of bad, I feel a headache, I mm. feel this, I feel that. And you could even worsen yourself, your condition. I, I agree. And in fact, very interestingly, um, apparently it's been, uh, or not suggested, it's kind of a fact, I suppose, that if you think about psychosomatic mm-hmm. um, conditions, if we um, if we find ourselves every time we cry or laugh or are very very angry uh, or we feel sad over somebody's situation uh, or we find it very difficult to get out of bed because we're feeling down or queasy or whatever um, or we hear about some friend or colleague that's ill or whatever. We are actually experiencing psychosomatic uh, symptoms mm-hmm. right there and then. And in fact, research has been done that shows that 
up to 30% of people visiting their family doctor and amazingly, 50% of women seeing a gynaecologist are actually enduring symptoms that cannot be explained with a physical cause, suggesting that psychosomatic um, symptoms are much Mm -hmm. more common than we think. And the the only difference is that for most people, these uh, symptoms you tend to get over them fairly quickly. Except um, in certain cases. When except there's a percentage of people, it becomes yeah. chronic. Right? And you know what reminds me of that? Mm-hmm. The typical case of the woman thinking, thinking he's pregnant. Oh. And in fact, she gets all the symptoms, but he's not pregnant at all. Not, it wasn't just wind, was it? <laughs> <laughs> and one fatal day. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you did that. <laughs> so what she thought she was pregnant and she yeah. had the symptoms. There's there's many cases yeah, about right. this. Yeah. Uh thinking they, they are pregnant and pregnancies or something. They they get uh, all the symptoms morning uh, nausea, morning sickness and so on and in the end as the time passes nothing kind of fades away. Yeah. That's kind of like a hormonal thing or something. Yeah. Maybe. But the fact that they believe yeah, it is. Makes you think in a similar case uh, to be, uh, I don't know if I would call it nocivo or placebo, but... Yeah, who's, who's to say, right? Yeah. Depends what's going on, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And um, just moving on to a kind of a final area of mm-hmm. this kind of psycho um, effects or power of the mind is this area of spontaneous remission. Mm-hmm. Now there, are, we've probably all we've probably all read examples of people miracle cures, blah blah blah. Um, but there was a very well documented case of a an old lady who initially she had a kind of a rash that wouldn't go away. Uh, she didn't seek any medical attention, but by the time she arrived in the hospital, uh, basically she had lumpy eruptions on her legs. Uh, that were very angry looking. Anyway, tests tests were done, and it was confirmed as uh, carcinoma, skin mm-hmm. cancer, and yeah. advanced. Right? Yeah. The future did not look good, and the doctors, specialists, were considering what to do. This was in Ireland. Yeah. And they weren't sure what to do because she was obviously quite old, and they weren't sure whether she could survive the treatment either chemotherapy or whatever. And the interesting thing was that while they were thinking about what to do, whether to do surgery or whether to do chemo or whatever, over a period, the the carcinoma completely disappeared. And they could find no traces of it when they'd finished, when mm-hmm. when the carcinomas are completely gone, she was completely cancer free, and it never came back. Now mm. that's a an astonishing. Apparently, these are like one in a hundred thousand these cases, yeah. which is obviously pretty rare. But just to kind of finish off on that front, yeah, this is the kind of effects of placebo. Well. This is effects. This they've actually think they've got a handle on this. 
which was that we just have to go back to the 19th century for a uh-huh. very a very early example of exactly what these specialists discovered, uh-huh. which was that in the 19th century, there was a doctor called William Bradley Coley, and he had a patient who had a large tumour on his neck, and obviously things were slightly uh, less advanced in those days, but they tried surgery to cut the cancer out. They couldn't do it. Um, they didn't know what to do. Anyway, while they were thinking about what to do, the patient actually caught a, a nasty infection and he had a very high fever. And by the time he had recovered from the fever, <laughs> the tumour had gone. And this doctor, Dr. Bradley Coley, he actually kind of twigged that there was something going on and he actually started infecting other patients with um, toxins or microbes and found that when they recovered from this additional infection, their um, otherwise inoperable tumours had disappeared. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that was in the 19th century. I'd never heard of that. No. But um, what has been found more recently based on that work or anecdotal stuff is that um, in a study where patients, uh, it was a specific study of Mm -hmm. patients with leukemia, which is a a cancer of the blood, who had somehow gone into spontaneous remission. Mm -hmm. When they looked carefully at those patients, they found, what they found was that 90% of them had suffered another illness that caused fever and high temperature immediately prior to the cancer disappearing. Yeah, I I think it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense, but it's pretty radical still though, isn't it? That idea, right? Maybe we still don't know correctly our bodies and the healing processes, but we know that when you have an infection or a sickness Mm. and you have fever, Mm. is your body fighting the the sickness? I don't actually know, and I didn't, I've only just kind of thought of it, but I don't know why is it that your temperature goes up? Is that part of the defense? I think it is. How, How do you sterilize? For example, something. Well, yeah, but that's like boiling temperature, right? You can't, you don't... Well, 100 degrees uh, Fahrenheit or no, how much is uh, yeah. 40 degrees Fahrenheit. internal, yeah. uh, you know, say yeah. a, temp- a, a fever of 40, 42 degrees. It's about half boiling centigrade in your in your body. Yeah. Might be enough to it kill might, a microbe. Well I, well, I presume it must be or else we wouldn't do it, I suppose. Exactly, it's our own so it must natural be, response. It must be part of the defense itself, mustn't it? And what what researchers are thinking about is that if you have certain kinds of cancer and you then uh, introduce a fever condition, that that so tilts the kind of environment that the cancer mm-hmm. is in that it may trigger cellular death in the cancer. Well, yeah, actually that's also true. Yeah, that's you, what thinking, The chemistry right? in your body should be changing it's for changing. a moment, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of recent stuff that's going on and it's still obviously under investigation, but the thinking that if that is, and there are some trials going on at the moment, 
the thinking that if that works out, then it could form an actual legitimate treatment for certain treatment, kinds of cancer. Yeah. Give you a sickness that will produce a high fever yeah. that is treatable. Yeah. And boom. So all they do is give you a high fever. And what they've actually found, this is interesting, was that if they give a, give a, a patient a high fever condition and apparently they're using a tropical disease that they can control to do it, um, what they found was that if they give the patient the um, tropical disease that gives them the high fever, mm-hmm. what they found was that if they gave the patient paracetamol to bring down the, the fever, fever, it actually affected the recovery level of the patients from the cancer. So the temperature appeared to be critical. Yes, to it's a factor. Yeah. It's like it's being sterilized. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I said. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible. So that is our little tour through... Um, Placebo and Nocebo. Yeah, oh, that was interesting. Any, yeah, and if our listeners have any interesting story to yeah, share with us, totally. write it down in the comments, yeah. get in touch, and we talk to you next week yeah. with another interesting topic. Yeah. No? I, I, I hope so. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, well, <laughs> thank, thank you, you yeah. Rafa. And we talk to you next week down the rabbit hole. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Dark Mind Radio 2016.